0: For over 45 years, Pensacola Christian College has set aside some time each spring semester for Bible Conference. These days of concentrated study and preaching from the Word of God are a time of spiritual enrichment for our students, faculty and staff, and many others who join us for these services. We're pleased to welcome you to the PCC Bible Conference. Well, praise the Lord if you have your copy of God's Word, if you'll take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. The title of my message this afternoon is Compassionately Correcting the Crippling Crisis. My heart has been stirred from the preaching of God's Word. I am thankful for every message that I've had the privilege of hearing from these godly men bringing forth the Word of God to us. The Bible tells us several things, and, and I would ask us, if you would, please, out of the respect for the reading of God's Word, if you'll stand with me as I read our text from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting in verse 12 and reading down the verse number 20. The Bible says, now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, I'll say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead. But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen, and if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain and your faith is also vain. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, you're yet in your sins." then they which also are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are all men most miserable. Would you read verse 20 out loud with me together? But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. Father God in heaven, I am so thankful and privileged to be here this afternoon. Lord, I am so thankful for you saving a wretch like me. I'm thankful, Father in heaven, that I've become a blood-bought, born-again Christian, serving the living God. Lord, I do pray that you would help us to set aside any care or concern of the day and that we would devote our full attention to you and your word this afternoon. Lord, I pray that you would please fill me with the power of your Holy Spirit and would you fill these listeners with the Holy Spirit's power as well. And I ask, Father in heaven, would you please meet us right where we are, right here, right now, But I don't know who's saved here and who's not saved. But Lord, I do pray that if there's any person under the sound of my voice that have not yet put their faith and trust in the living God, receiving the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, might that be done sooner rather than later? For believers this afternoon, Father in heaven, that may be carrying heavy baggage, might they lay that baggage down at the foot of the cross? And would you please now bless our time in the scriptures? for we ask it in Jesus' great name and for his sake and all God's people said, amen. Please be seated. Compassionately correcting the crippling crisis. There are three main points in the outline. We'll address first of all, the confrontation in verse 12, the consequences in verses 13 through 19, and thirdly, the confirmation in verse number 20. The Lord God Almighty used this passage of scripture in my life in a tremendous way. When I was in my early teens, I had a crisis of faith. Anybody ever have a crisis of faith? I remember the public school that I went to. You name the religion, you name the sect, you name the cult. It was there at my high school. And I strove to be a, a, a light. I wanted to let people know about how to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. But there were so many different faiths. There were so many different beliefs. And I, I started, started having a question. Am I following the right faith? Oh, I knew that God existed. I knew that there was a creator, God. And please understand, I am so thankful that Almighty God allowed me to ask questions without being questioning. I can remember that it crescendoed after several days of really wrestling with this. And please know this, I could have talked to my dad about this. I could have talked to my mom about this. I could have talked to my pastor about this. But I didn't wanna be on my dad's coattails. I didn't wanna be hanging on to my mom's apron strings. I got to this place in my life where I thought, it's not gonna be my dad's faith, it's not gonna be my mom's faith, it's not gonna be my pastor's faith, I'm gonna to have to own it, it's gonna to have to be my faith. Now please, I understood this, that if I got in some really deep water, I would have cried for help. I'm drowning, somebody help me! But I'm thankful that it didn't get to that particular level. I can remember one day after school, I went up to my room, I sat my books aside, I had my Bible out, I had some loose leaf paper, And I began an incredible task of jotting down what I knew of all of the religions of the world. All of the known Eastern religions, I had that on on some paper, all the Western religions, all the Eastern cults, all the Western cults, and I I started wrestling with some things and and to to see not, not all of these can be right. None of these are compatible with true biblical Christianity. And, and I started listing, uh, this religion says you have to have this, 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 and this. And this other religion says this, 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 and this. And I came to the conclusion, no matter what, the Eastern religion or Western religion, it was all about something that one had to do, had to accomplish. And then I came to the conclusion the true biblical Christianity, it was all about what the Lord Jesus Christ had already accomplished. And that all one need do is receive that gift that Almighty God had already paid for. I I am so thankful for the crucifixion. I greatly appreciate Dr. Pope's message about the crucifixion last night. Boy, I tell you what very, very powerful message I appreciate every message that was, that was preached, but we need to address some things about compassionately correcting the crippling crisis. I was crippled. I was in crisis mode, but the Lord took me to this passage. I had my Bible open to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and I started reading through 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I am thankful that God promised that His Word would not return unto Him void. And God spoke to me in my room, and I realized, hey, I'm on the right track. I have the right faith. Boy, I tell you, I came out of that room, some might say, man, did you, well, were you okay when you came out of that room? Boy, I'm about ready to have a coastal fit. I was just rejoicing, thanking God, praising the Lord for what He had revealed to me from His Word, and I had a confidence of knowing I am on the right track. I am following the correct faith. I can remember when I prayed, I said, dear God, I know that God is out there. But if it's not the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, would you please allow me to understand? And I'm so thankful that the Holy Spirit took the Word of God and met me right where I was. May I say this, folks? There might be a time in your life where you have a crisis of faith. I'm thankful we can take that crisis to our great God and the Lord will help us, the Lord will guide us, the Lord will direct us. Know with me, please, with regards to this confrontation, The Word of God says in verse number 12, now if Christ be preached that He rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead. Please understand that there was doctrinal error that had crept into the Corinthian church. It wasn't an invasion from without. Please understand this, it was infiltration from within. I can remember that there were times in my growth and development where I thought I was right on Bible doctrine to later realize that I wasn't correct on Bible doctrine remember my pastor stood up on a, I wanna say it was either a Sunday evening, I think it was, and he held up the Bible and when he held up the Bible, he said, I wanna ask you all a question. Does the Bible contain the Word of God? And I thought to myself, yeah, you know what? The Bible contains the Word of God. Within the pages, it contains the Word of God. He says, how many of you all think that that is a true statement? i raised raise my hand with boldness declaring the truth that I believe that God's word stood for, and I raised my hand, I looked around the church, and understand this, Dr. Atkins, I was the only one with my hand up. And I thought, what in the world? Am I in the church full of heretics? <laughs> and then the pastor asked a question, he said, let me, let me ask you this question. How many of you would say that statement is false? The entire church raised their hands. And I thought, oh, snap! what is going on in here? I thought I was a part of a solid Bible-believing church. And I heard my pastor's follow-up comments. He said, for those of you who said that statement was false, you're correct. I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. I'm the only one as a teenager that knows the truth. And my pastor said this statement. He said, the Bible is the Word of God. It doesn't contain the Word of God. It is the Word of God. I remember, you thought you were given the right answer, but it was the wrong answer, and then you, re- I was like, yeah, that's what I meant. That's what I meant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I meant. All God straight. yeah, that's what I meant. Hey, I'm thankful that we're able to understand, we're able to separate fact from fiction, dealing with God's inspired, inerrant, infallible, authoritative Word. Again, in verse number 12, it says, now if Christ be preached that He rose again that He rose from the dead. How say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? There are two thoughts here with regards to the confrontation. Number one, the case affirming the resurrection explained. We see that in verses one through 12a. I'm thankful the apostle Paul says this in verse one of 1 Corinthians 15. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the, the gospel, which I preached unto you, which also ye have received and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. There are some believers that may, some folks that may have thought that they were believers because they believed in vain. They did not have a real belief in receiving Jesus Christ as personal savior. I'm thankful there were those that did. And Paul addresses both sides of that coin. He says, for I've delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received. By the way, he preached what he received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, amen? And that he was buried and that he rose again, the third day, according to what? According to the scriptures. And then we see this statement in verse five, he was seen. Verse six, he was seen. Verse seven, he was seen. Verse eight, he was seen. There was eyewitness testimony to the bodily resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. We see it according to the scriptures and we see eyewitness testimony. I find that so fascinating, we see from verses one through 12a, the case affirming the resurrection is explained. I'm thankful the apostle Paul explained all that there was dealing with the resurrection and allowing that to be affirmed. But then we see number two, the controversy against the resurrection expressed. Now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, we just saw that from verses one through 12a, Notice 12b, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? May I say this, ladies and gentlemen? The Bible says, according to the scripture, that Jesus Christ rose victorious over death, hell, and the grave on which day? I I, I heard a whisper. On which day? Okay, can can I give you a real strong hint? On the count of three, can you please tell me which day the Word of God says that Jesus Christ would be resurrected. One, two, three. Amen, the third day. Not the first day, not the second day, not the fourth day, but what day, folks? Day. Like you mean it. Amen, the third day, the third day. I'm thankful that God is always faithful and true to his word, the third day. And then Paul asked this question to the church at Corinth, by means of the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead. There were those that, that it was started being trickles through the church. There is no resurrection. There is no resurrection. There is no resurrection. I've never heard this statement. If you repeat a lie long enough and often enough, that lie starts to be believed. No doubt there were some Corinthian Christians that were thinking, I guess there is no resurrection. There is no resurrection. There is no resurrection. We see the confrontation. I'm thankful we see the case affirming the resurrection is explained. The controversy against the resurrection is expressed. But let's address number two, our second main point, the consequences, the consequences. I'm thankful the apostle Paul hits pause. He backs up for a few moments and he says, okay, let's explore this. Let's, let's take it to its natural logical conclusion. What if there is no resurrection? You know, from my study, of the word of God and my understanding of various world religions, that true biblical Christianity is the only faith that addresses what if the core tenet of what we say we believe, the core tenant that is the foundation of our faith, what if it's not true, then what? I don't know of any other religious thought, I don't know of any other faith body of doctrine that would deal with what if the core tenet of what we say we believe is not true? True biblical Christianity does. And I'm thankful we can trust the word, amen? We we need to understand the string of events that the apostle Paul lays out. First of all, concerning the Savior, notice verse number 13 with me, he says, but if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not raised. Did he not give scriptural evidence for the resurrection of the Christ. Christ. Do not give um, the fact that he was seen, eyewitness evidence of the resurrection of Christ. But he says, but if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen. So if you're gonna believe that about Jesus and there is no resurrection, then understand this. We need to realize the, the string of events concerning the Savior. Then Jesus isn't resurrected from the dead. Concerning the saints, notice verse 14. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. If there was no resurrection, that outstanding message that we heard last night, the outstanding messages that we heard this morning, if there is no resurrection, guess what that preaching was? Vain! What is vain? That which lacks substance, that which is empty, that which has no value. By the way, when the word of God says, but if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? And if Christ be not risen, we're dealing with this sequence, this string of events, then is our preaching vain and your faith is also vain. If there is no resurrection, guess what? What, What's happening right here, right now, it's vain. It's vain. Remember what Solomon penned several times in the book of Ecclesiastes, vanity of vanity saith the preacher. All is vanity. What's he talking about? He's talking about the emptiness, the lack of substance, the worthlessness of a life lived without Almighty God. Very interesting that we see concerning the Savior, but also concerning the saints. Our preaching is vain. And then he goes on to say this, your faith is also vain. If there is no resurrection... Your faith is vain. My faith is vain. I'm thankful the Bible addresses this. What if there is no resurrection? What if the core tenet of what we say we believe did not happen? Then what? Concerning the Savior, he didn't rise from the dead. Concerning the saints, the preaching is vain. Your faith is vain. What about concerning sin? Notice verse number 15. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God. Because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. He said, you know what? To add insult to injury, all us Bible preachers are sinning. Paul's saying he's sinning. The other apostles are sinning. If they're saying by God that God resurrected Christ from the dead, and if there is no resurrection of the dead, he's saying that we preached about it, we've testified to it, we're sinning. We need to address the summary. Notice the summary concerning the summary, verses 16 through 18. He says, If the dead rise not, then is Christ, then is not Christ raised. That is a, a, if you will, a mirror reflection, if you will, from verse number 13. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, you're yet in your sins. That's a reflection, if you will, of verse 14. Verse number 18, then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished boy that's we're, we're dealing with some aspects of the summary here you know what he's saying he's saying "Mima, that was saved she's perished Paul, grandpa whatever your name is for your grandfather who may have been a believer no 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 he, he's perished he's perished he's he's if there is no resurrection he's 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 in hell He's in hell. And by the way, any loved one, any family member, any friend, I will say this folks, over the course of this last year, my wife and I have been involved in more funerals than we ever have in 30 plus years of ministry. Funerals that I have conducted and officiated, funerals that I have attended to be a blessing to uh, family and friends in, in their time of need. Please understand this, if there is no resurrection, then it truly is pie in the sky, by and by, it's not real. The resurrection is not real. No one's died and gone to heaven. No one's safely in the arms of Jesus because if there is no resurrection, the only hope that we have is hell, ultimately the lake of fire. That's powerful, that's powerful. We need not deal with this string of events concerning the Savior, concerning the saints, concerning the sin, concerning the summary. Let's address not only the string of events, but also the statement of emphasis. I love verse number 19, what it says. It just drives the point home. And he makes a statement, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. Think about that. If in this life only, so we see two thoughts with this. Number one, the limitation of hope. And number two, the lament of hopelessness, the limitation of hope. If we only have hope in Christ right here, right now, and it's not substantive, and it doesn't last for all eternity. Hey, you know when my eternity started? When I received the biblical Jesus as my personal savior, when I got gloriously saved, when I think about my testimony frequently, I'm so thankful that there were some folks that knocked on our door invited my sisters and and me to ride the church bus. And it was there at that church bus uh, that I started hearing the first aspects of the gospel. When I got into that that second and third grade boy Sunday school class and I heard the teacher teach and, and I understood that I was a sinner, that I was lost, that I was on my way to hell. I thought to myself, God would send me to hell? I'm eight. I thought to myself, I had my list of I never dids. Anybody else before you guys say if you had your list of I never dids? I thought God surely would send axe murderers to hell. I'm not an axe murderer. <laughs> I thought to myself, I'm not a murderer. I'm not a thief. I've never stolen anything of serious value. <laughs> I, I didn't count candy and cookies and things of that nature. Didn't count that. But I thought, surely God would never send me to hell. But then I realized in that Sunday school class that I was on my way to hell. The teachers taught us about the death, the burial, and the resurrection. Y'all remember Sunday school class? Boy, I'll tell you what, I like that illustration about the flannel graph. Boy, I'll tell you what, that's old school. By the way, there ain't no school like the old school. Boy, I can remember the flannel graph. And for whatever profit it was, for whatever reason, it seemed like it was the same whether it was Samuel, whether it was Elijah, whether it was Isaiah, they pulled out the same dude and put him up on the flannel graph. They just gave him a different name. I just thought, wow, look at this. We're going for it, y'all, all right. But I was, I was all dialed in, boy, I was all about it. Are you with me on that? I was all about it. Boy, I tell you what, it was amazing. But then I understood that I was lost and on my way to hell. And I, I remember that day that, I, I thought I, I thought you going to get saved at church. I'll be brief about this. But I couldn't wait for that next Sunday to, cut, to roll around so that I can get to church, so that I can receive Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. And on that day, I got gloriously saved. I couldn't wait for the teacher to get to the good part. You know what the good part was? The good part was every head bowed, every eye closed. You know, ever been to worship service and the preacher says, every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. And you peaked. Hey, I'm already into it now. Let me pull back the veil all the way. I peeked. That Sunday school teacher said, every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. Boys, if you're here and you need to receive Jesus Christ as your personal savior, and you know that you're lost, you know that you're on your way to hell, I want you to raise your hand right where you said, raise your hand. And boy, I tell you what, I raised my hand. I'm like, I'm lost, I'm going to hell, I don't want to go to hell. But I thought to myself, am I the only one? So I peeked. I looked around and I thought, Ooh, you ever, ever hear the statement, Misery Loves Company? I looked around and thought, oh man, there's a whole lot of other boys going to hell just like me. <laughs> Boy, I tell you what. He goes, all right, boys, if you mean business, I want you to stand right where you are. I stood up right where I was. And I looked around, and by the way, there were a whole lot more hands that went up than boys that stood up. I'm to be helping the blessing Sunday school teacher. I almost said, "Hey, Mr. Sunday school teacher, him over there, yeah, that dude right there, your red shirt, and him over here, and him red right over there." They, they had their hands up, but I just figured, you know what? This is about those of us who are responding to the invitation. And on that day, I prayed a simple prayer like this, dear Lord Jesus. I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm on my way to hell. I don't want to go to hell when I die. Would you please save me? Would you please come into my heart and my life? Would you wash away all of my sin? And would you please forgive me and give me a home in heaven? In Jesus' name, amen. Boy, I got a good dose. I got saved. Like the old hymn says, save, save. Not, not save twice, but save, save, emphasizing on the fact that I got saved. I remember we rode the church bus to church and on the way home I rode with my parents and we're driving home. It was a clear, bright, blue, sunny sky in Maryland in the wintertime in December. And I thought to myself, I wonder what it would look like being up there looking down. I'm going to heaven now. I wonder what it would be like if I got killed on the way home from church. I was looking at cars and I was just thinking, man, if a car slams into my parents' car and I get killed, I'm on my way to heaven. Boy, I'm good to go. This is a beautiful thing. See, Pastor Merrick, you need a lot of growth and development. And let me tell you something. <laughs> Can I tell you the truth? I'm still a work in progress, amen. I haven't arrived yet, but I'm on the train. I'm on the glory train. Well, I'm thankful I got saved and, and I'm thankful that the Word of God tells about that eternality of our salvation. But the Bible does make this statement, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. The limitation of hope, what if that hope that we have in Jesus is just for this life now? It doesn't apply to eternity. It, it, it's not efficacious to save you for all eternity, it's just something, a good thing to do right now to have a relationship with Jesus. No, Paul says, if in this life only that limitation of hope, we have hope in Christ, Notice the lament of hopelessness, we are of all men most miserable. If that's all our hope rests in, is this life right here, right now, this tangible life, as we occupy space here on the earth, we are of all men most miserable. You know that also infers that, the world is better off than we are if there is no resurrection because they're having a good time. They're enjoying themselves. By the way, what it's dealing with is, is that people that are living by the book are all miserable and foolish. You know who the biggest fool in the room would be right now? The one standing behind the sacred desk. Me. You'd be foolish too for being here listening, but I'm thankful that it doesn't end there. Notice our third point, the confirmation, verse number 20. I am so thankful for that contrasting conjunction, but. But now, you know that there's gonna, we're gonna have a shift here. But now, but now the Bible says, but now is Christ risen from the dead and become a first fruits of them that slept. Two thoughts here quickly and we'll be done. Number one, the declaration of fact, the first part of verse number 20. And number two, the demonstration of first fruits. The second part of verse 20, the declaration of fact, but now is Christ risen from the dead. Boy, I tell you what, I am thankful that Jesus rose victorious over death, hell, and the grave. Boy, he presented himself, as we heard earlier today, to those two disciples on the Emmaus Road. Boy, he showed himself through many infallible proofs that he was the resurrected Christ. That's awesome, the declaration of fact. We see that emphasized. in culmination here in verse 20, but what was previously given to us in verses one through 12a, I am thankful for the declaration of fact that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. By the way, just in case I forgot, could y'all help me out with my memory? Which day was that? Uh, 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 On this side right here? Third day, third day, day. amen, third day. And then according to the scriptures, the third day, we have that declaration of fact. Notice the demonstration of first fruits. A lot of part of verse twenty, word of God says, "But now is Christ risen from the dead. Listen to this, and become the first fruits of them that slept." Well, Pastor Mary, what about it says first fruits? Well, what, what about Lazarus? When Jesus went to Lazarus' grave and he told them to roll the stone away, and he said, "Lazarus, come forth," and he came forth. He then told him, loose him and let him go. Praise the Lord for that. Well, why, why, is it, why wasn't Lazarus considered a, the first fruits? Well, what were other people that were raised from the dead? Uh, that 12 year old girl that Jesus healed, why was she considered a first fruit? Why, well, why was, it, why was Jesus considered the first fruit? Because see that, that, that little girl, that little damsel died again. Lazarus died again. When Jesus Christ was raised victorious from the grave, he never died again. <laughs> He is seated at the right hand of majesty. He dwells within your heart and within my heart. If you know Jesus Christ as your personal savior and he is the first fruits. I'm thankful we're gonna have a body like unto his glorious body. I'm thankful that the apostle Paul compassionately corrected the crippling crisis because if that got let go and that, that whole doctrine of there is no resurrection permeated and spread through the Corinthian church, may I say this? That church would have more problems than it already is recorded to have having. I am thankful that the Apostle Paul compassionately corrected that crippling crisis. I'm thankful that Almighty God met me right in my need. And I'm so thankful that God Almighty compassionately corrected, can I make it personal, my crippling crisis? Because if I didn't get that ironed out, guess what would have happened? It wouldn't have been my dad's faith that I was trying to hang on to his coattails. It wouldn't have been my mom's faith that I was trying to grab a hold of her apron strings. Ladies and gentlemen, there would have been no faith at all. I would have thought, you know what? It's too much trying to follow this religion and that religion and this faith, and that faith, and it would have been an exercise in futility, but I'm thankful for but now. But now, I'm thankful God met me right where I was. And I don't even know, ladies and gentlemen, if you ever find yourself in a place where you have a crisis of faith, but can I encourage you with this thought? You trust your God. You follow him. You be anchored in the truth of the word of God. I'm thankful that our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever and I'm thankful that we're able to have a personal relationship with him. Can I encourage you with this thought? If you've drifted away, can I encourage you to get close back? People talk about backsliding. Everybody hear that term, backslidden, backslidden? You've heard that term before. We've heard this term, slidden. I don't wanna be a backslidden Christian. Well, I wanna be a frontsliding Christian, amen? Going forward to the glory of God. Can I encourage you that you would have a desire to be anchored to the rock? Can I encourage you to allow your relationship with Almighty God to grow? Can I encourage you to pay close attention to the rest of the messages uh, during this Bible conference? And can I ask you this thought? Can I, can I give you this to, to, to kind of uh, ruminate on? Wherever you are, whoever you are, God knows you. He knows what your struggles are. He knows what, he knows what your crisis is or your crises are. And Almighty God is able to meet that need. You've been listening to a Bible conference message from Pensacola Christian College. You're welcome to pass this sermon along to others. Please don't charge for it or alter it without written permission from Pensacola Christian College. For additional information about PCC, visit us online at pcci.edu. Pensacola Christian College empowering Christian leaders to influence the world for Christ.